The A-List is sponsored by Ad House Advertising School. You get 10 sessions with a working advertising professional for just 600 bucks. Dip your toe in the water and build your first book with freelance creative director Paul Fix. Learn unprofessional advertising from George Tannenbaum, former copy chief of Ogilvy, New York. Or learn to be a more strategic creative with strategic innovations expert Liz Grandillo. There's six classes to choose from, even one taught by little old me. Check it out at adhousenyc.com. Zoom classes start week of May 25th. There's only 14 people to a class, and they're filling up fast. So hurry, adhousenyc.com. And now, here's our show. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect. I loved playing with Legos. I loved building stuff. Yeah. Um, but then I was too lazy at school, so it didn't come up to me that I would be able to study for, I think it's seven years in Belgium, become an architect. It felt so long. I yeah. was not motivated by that. Uh, so why do not do I not become an architect for brands? Um, I guess that's the, the thought process back then. Hello and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman, freelance creative and professor at Ad House Advertising School. Today, you'll hear my conversation with Alan Cerruti from Happiness Saigon. His origin story has it all. Trojan horses in Brussels, cars hanging from billboards in Christchurch, a girlfriend moving to Hong Kong, and a trip to Vietnam that was supposed to last three months, turning into five years and counting as co-founder and CEO of the hottest little agency in Saigon. It also has plenty of advice for young people who are thinking of getting into this crazy business we call advertising, and plenty of inspiration for old heads like me who still love this business. This episode was recorded by me on Zoom during a pandemic, so apologies for the couple of little glitches, but I'm getting the hang of this garage band thing. I do, however, still miss Matt Stillo. This is where he would just tell me to say something like, and now here's my talk with Alan Cerruti. Right, Matt? You would totally want me to say that right now. Yeah. Alan. Yes, hi. What uh, time is it on your end? It is uh, 10.37 in the morning. What time mm. is 9.37 in the evening. Oh, my goodness. So, Thanks uh, for having I, me. Yeah. I always start with, uh, so you're, you're at Happiness Saigon now, and you've been there for a few years? Yeah. I started the firm five and a half years ago now. My goodness. Uh, but yeah. I want to go back to the beginning. Where, where did you grow up, Alan Cerruti? I, I am from Belgium. My, uh, my dad is from the Netherlands. So I have uh, the Dutch uh, language that I was uh, brought on to. And then my mom is uh, from Belgium, from the southern part, the French-speaking part. So I also uh, speak French. And I grew up in uh, uh, the French-speaking part first of Belgium. Um, yeah. And then I, uh, I, I traveled with my parents from city to city. We, we moved quite a bit. Uh, born in uh, the area of Brussels, um, and then moved to uh, the coastal town uh, called Knokke. Um, Kanaka. So that's, uh, 
Knocker, yes. Knocker Heist. Knocker Heist. Yeah, of course. Everyone, everyone <laughs> knows Knocker Heist. Um, where, why did you move around so much? Was it, was it uh, parents had, had jobs that did that? Or? Well, my dad was in hospitality. He was a director at uh, a hotel chain called Novotel. Oh, yeah. um, he lost his job and uh, wanted to do something for himself. And basically, uh, was when he was young, uh, going often to Knocke Heist with his family. Um, okay. And uh, he had a lot of good uh, memories from, from that place and uh, wanted to do something for his own. So basically, uh, I started to look for, uh, you know, a business to either start or, or take over. And he basically decided to start uh, a small restaurant uh, back then. So we then moved to Knocke Heist. And uh, yeah, we, we actually, in Knocke Heist, it's a very small city i think it has around forty thousand inhabitants uh, oh, yeah. we moved quite a bit in the beginning it was uh uh was a bit work and roll because i didn't speak dutch strangely enough my dad was uh dutch speaking yeah of course uh but my mom was was uh, stay at home mom and, and was basically bringing us up my dad was working quite a bit in the weekend so yeah uh, we only spoke uh french and uh when moving to the northern part of Belgium, that's when you start speaking Flemish, the Dutch version of the Belgian uh, second language. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I had to I had to learn how to do that because I I didn't know the language, even though my dad spoke the language. So that was quite interesting. So uh, wow. So right there, I see that like you you were sort of steeped in this. Entre- how old were you when your dad did that? Like moved you to this small town and. I was uh, eight, eight years old. Right. So, so you're yeah. you're learning about entrepreneurial, uh, about sort of like the the world and how uh, how you know things can kind of rock you and and make you yeah. change your whole course. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then and then about communication, where how do you communicate with? So I see how you're now in Vietnam, and you're like exactly. I'm already, I'm already seeing those are connected. Uh, it's all. It's all. <laughs> It's all connected for me already. So tell me, how so did you glad. how did you hear about advertising? How did you were you always were you always uh, sort of creative and and writing stories and things? Or I had something with brands. I didn't know what exactly. I, I liked uh, big statements on shirts on on sweaters. Yeah. Um, I liked the storytelling of brands without really knowing you know what the storytelling was, but just the imagery of it. Um, so I had a. a, a bit of a profound connection with it. When I was a baby, actually a baby, I was two, two three years old. Um, I was in the back of the car. My dad was driving around and I knew all the names of uh, cars out there. So I could say this is a BMW 3 Series. This is a Toyota Celica. This is a Lada Niva. Yeah. And I could do, that was, I guess, my my first interaction with, uh, with brands and, and with uh, what a brand stood for and you know, what, what the product, uh, of course, uh, what a product meant and then how that brand was elevating uh, that product. Um, and so, yeah, I, I just, I guess I, I rolled into that somehow and I always knew that there was something about brands that I liked, but I never really made a connection with advertising until um, I did a working holiday visa in uh, a working holiday. Actually, I had a working holiday visa to go to Australia and New Zealand to spend 12 months there. Um, I was 18 years old. Um, and I remember finding myself in New Zealand. I think it was in Christchurch. I was walking on a, a commercial street and there was a huge billboard 
with a real uh, life-size uh, mini uh, that was uh, very impactful to me. So I, I saw, I felt the product on a billboard and I connected that dot instantly. So uh, the reason why I took that working holiday in Australia was really to figure out what I wanted to study. So I had no idea. I was a bad student. Uh, I loved uh, going out. I loved uh, playing sports, but I was not so so good with grades. I mean, I, I passed year after year. I had okay grades to pass, but I was not yeah. a brilliant student. Um, so my parents decided that this was a good thing for me to go and and travel abroad, figure things out for myself, learn to uh, earn money, uh, be independent, and uh, I guess connect that dot. So at that moment of time, I called my parents and said, I know what I want to do. So what are the communication uh, schools in, uh, in in Belgium? Uh, let's let's look for that. And uh, Wow. Yeah, a couple of months later, I was in Antwerp looking for schools with my parents. So that was... Uh, that was That's the, so cool. And how did the how did your parents know to put you on that working visa? Is that something that a lot of uh, Dutch kids do? Yeah, exactly. Dutch kids do that. They had a good agreement with Australia back then, so it was quite common for uh, Dutch people to send their kids to Australia. Uh, Belgians couldn't do that. I had the Belgian nationality because I was born there, wow. so that's where I inherited the Dutch nationality. I still have the Dutch passport. Okay. Today's the day I use the Dutch passport, and that's because I uh, I got this working holiday visa through it. So, oh um, wow, yeah, quite special. Yeah, that that I'm showing my my ignorance of of European uh, uh, geography and history. <laughs> so sorry. Um, no problem. Uh, but I'm Belgium from is also known as the capital of Brussels. Huh? That's uh, yes. that's a no, common I, joke. <laughs> all, of that, all of that stuff is 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 very. Uh, uh, we don't understand it. We don't understand. <laughs> The uh, Netherlands and Dutch and Belgium and uh, yeah, we're all we're all just very confused by it. But <laughs> Europe, Europe, yeah, that's what we know. It's the old world. Um, now, uh, so you go to uh, Australia and you see this billboard. What else were you doing down there? Where you work? What is a working visa? How does that work? So you basically are allowed to enter the country and you can earn a living. You can take student jobs. Uh, uh, I started, um, I did like a lot of different jobs. I started as uh, a salesman for the International Red Cross. Uh, so I was hitting the streets and I had to convince people to give $6 a month, six Aussie dollars a month uh, to charity. Yeah. Uh, didn't have a pitch, was not really <laughs> briefed properly. So it didn't work. Um, and there was someone that did an excellent job next to me. So I was very frustrated. I did this for a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, what most, most uh, students uh, did or travelers did is they went on, on fruit picking farms or they worked in a bar. That was the coolest job working in a bar. So everyone wanted that. That was not available anymore. Um, so then I, uh, I started to look for other jobs and then I did telemarketing. Um, and that was, that was a hit. So telemarketing was quite easy. You just called a couple of people up and you ask a bunch of questions and you're jovial with them to make sure that they, you know, take the, the interview or, or the survey. Um, and I did that quite well. So then they sent me to do the door to door interviews and, and yeah. they got paid very well. So you got paid per interview. So, um, yeah, suddenly I was, uh, I was making more money and, and I was very close to communications and marketing again. It was for Red Bull, for Dettol. So yeah, I, I learned quite a bit through that. Okay. For Red Bull, Red Bull drink. Yeah. Oh, wow. Energy drink. Yeah. Um, 
And you came back to, to Belgium and you said, okay, where, where are the schools? And so you picked a communication yeah. school to go to uh, for, Correct, yeah. for, for two years or four years? That's uh, three years. Okay. And in Belgium, you have universities or you have, um, they call them, well, the literal translation is high school. It's actually uh, a, a degree less, it's, it's less academical. It's, it's more uh, practical, I guess, in a way. No. So I did communication with an accent on uh, uh, learning more by doing, uh, doing internships. Uh, and, and that degree was uh, allowing me to then, uh, you know, discover the advertising industry um, and get in touch with uh, a couple of agencies uh, through practice. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that was a good time. What were the agencies that you were looking at then? Were you looking at just in, in your area or were you looking at different countries? I was very focused on Belgium. Um, my, my, my love for advertising has really grown with uh, the leaders and agencies I've been fortunate to work with. Uh, so my, my advertising culture was not that big in, in, uh, in school. Uh, it was very theoretical somehow, and it was very much about, uh, you know, the, the foundations of marketing and communication. Uh, back then, digital was really on the rise, but it was not in our school books. Uh, so we had to figure things out ourselves. Um, and a couple of cases uh, came from the US, of course. There was a really cool campaign from uh, Goodby and Silverstein for HP with Jay-Z that uh, I built a presentation around to the entire class. So I kind of discovered that there was more to advertising than only what I saw on television and, and read in magazines. Mm -hmm. um, but you kind of rolled into the advertising industry really through that small confined area which was belgium back then and, and what type of advertising was uh, was out there and luckily belgium has always been um, you know a very small uh it's a small market the budgets are quite small and this means that you have to be truly creative think out of the box and yeah. uh, so i was lucky to then discover uh, that at can lions uh, belgium was doing quite well uh, year after year agencies like develop uh, we're, we're doing very well, built uh, a strong legacy for, for Belgium. What is, what is that first agency you talked about? Duval-Guillaume. Duval-Guillaume, right. I've yeah. heard of them. Uh, I've, I, I recognize the name. What, 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 tell me about them. So they are an agency that were founded by uh, one uh, suit and one uh, strong creative uh, mind. Uh, and together they, uh, they basically built this this legacy agency, uh, big clients, local clients, uh, Belgacom, Proximus, uh, Stella Artois. Um, yeah, they just came up with very good, witty uh, ideas that you saw on television and they stood out immediately. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where... Stella Artois uh, reassuringly expensive campaign, was that them? I, I wouldn't be able to confirm that. I think that's a, that's a U.S. Uh, campaign, but um, uh, they said uh, in, in, in Dutch, it's main house is where my Stella starts. My home is where my Stella is. Uh, and that was a household uh, tagline in, in Belgium back then. And right. the stories I know is that this was written in a restaurant uh, on a little, uh, how do you call it? The thing oh, you yeah. put underneath it. Yeah, something like that. Uh, so those were the good days, and uh, there is there is a yeah an influence of, of this agency and, and the people that uh, 
in uh, Belgium are now uh, successful, have built their own agencies, or are, have really grown into uh, leading uh, positions. Um, so that was back then for me when I uh, started to understand the advertising scene and started to look into the campaigns. Uh, Duval Guillaume was was like the, the top agency you wanted to go to. Yeah. Uh, but that's where everyone wants to go to. So then very quickly, I discovered that that's not where I wanted to go anymore. I wanted to make sure that I was part of, you know, uh, agencies that had uh, a new vision that were part of this new uh, thing called digital. Um, mm. And, you know, you have to do an internship at some point. So I was, I was reading newspapers uh, quite often, and there was an article about four upcoming agencies in there. And one of them was happiness. Um, there were three others, but the first one I called was happiness. And uh, Karen is the, the founder of happiness, uh, is now uh, my business partner. But uh, I called her and I asked, do you have an internship? Do you have a spot for me? I'm, I'm very keen. I saw the article. Ah, oh, sorry, we don't have a spot anymore. We already have interns. We don't want to have too many. I felt damn too bad. But then I called the other. Uh, agencies and I had four uh, agencies that I could call basically and I had a top four of course um, I called all of them um, and only the last one my 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 fourth uh, choice basically uh, was uh, was available had an internship for me so I okay. uh, started uh, in a small agency called uh, Trois uh, the Trojan Horse that their philosophy was we come in with an idea like the Trojan Horse uh -huh. um, and that was called welcome advertising back then. So then I started to understand that, okay, but an agency also now has a proposition, like a brand has a proposition. Yeah. An agency has a philosophy, has a vision, a proposition. And um, around that, they basically try to, uh, you know, come up with uh, a process to get to the best idea. And this is where bus advertising, viral advertising was coming up. So I learned a lot of things there. And I was their first uh, intern and I became their first employee after. Wow. Um, and it's called Welcome Advertising? That was the, their philosophy. The, the agency oh. name was uh, Trois. Wow. T-R-O-I-E. Yeah. Like, like, like Troy. You know the, the Troy. movie Troy? Yep. The, yep. The, 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 the ancient. Uh, yeah, Got it. Exactly. Um, so I learned a lot there. And that's where the advertising culture really grew because yeah. these guys, they are, they were ex Duval Guillaume. They basically uh, left Duval Guillaume to start their own agency. Um, three of them, creative director, uh, business director and copywriter. Uh, so I learned a lot from them. Is that what happens in Belgium a lot? A lot of, a lot of things came from Duval Guillaume and sort of yeah. pulled out yeah. into yeah. your uh, agencies. Is it a yeah, small, is the culture in, in Belgium among ad people, is it like a very tiny, like they all go to the same bar? And um, it's, yeah, it's predominantly in, in, in Brussels. Uh, yeah. um, not, they wouldn't go to the same bar, but there are certainly areas where you would definitely find ad people. Right. Sure. I could name a couple of bars where I know I would find someone. Yeah. Uh, that was back in the day. Yeah. Sure. Before we, I wouldn't know if, if that bar still exists today because it's been well, a while since I, I was there. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you get this internship at Troy Advertising. Now it's your fourth pick, and you're yeah. sort of, you know, at that point in your career, you know, you're you're young and you're like, I could, I could blow the doors off anybody, and you know, yeah. was it, what was it, what was it like going in there? Did you have the attitude of like, ah, I wish I was somewhere else, or did you have did you have more of a, let's see what I can do? No, I was super happy. 
I, I felt suddenly uh, accepted into, uh, you know, a, a new chapter of life. Uh, yeah. And I really had a very good chemistry with uh, the three founders. Um, I was their first employee somehow. So there was also this, well, first intern, but then became employee. So there was this, yeah, there was this, this profound relationship, that respect, that appreciation, and that, you know, you are okay, I am okay type of relationship. You don't end up in an agency where there are so many other interns where the cliches of, you know, doing the copies, serving coffee, uh, getting the sandwiches, uh, that was really not the case. Uh, they, they gave me meaningful stuff to do. And uh, if I didn't have a lot of work, I just had to deep dive into, uh, you know, which uh, were the can winning ideas uh, the year before. And yeah. I started, I still have it on my computer today. I, I have a lot of files from that period of time that I just saved on my, my hard disk. That's what you did back then. You know, the cloud yeah. was not existing. So you had everything on hard disk drives. Yeah. And, uh, I love that you're, you're, I'm nostalgic about having books, you know, books. Yeah. Like uh, you're nostalgic yeah. about, not having the cloud that's <laughs> yeah exactly um, yeah no uh it's hard to to do that now how do we what what do you how, how do young people figure out what's happened before when there's so much to look at and to like what what do you what do you tell young people coming into your age now it's funny i had a conversation yesterday with uh my strat team there are four or five people now uh in the team and i was asking them just for the sake of the conversation because i I've, I've been listening to podcasts now in confinement that's that's really what we did we we told our people that you know this is a time to educate ourselves listen to uh inspirational thinkers and uh there was one podcast from uh rob campbell um that i found very interesting so i i sent this to the strat team and said look write 10 things down that you individually think are uh, interesting and that we could apply for our department because I want to reshape that a bit. Um, and the exercise was, was done well, but then I, I wanted to deep dive a bit and I wanted to find out, you know, what are the top creative agencies out there in your opinion? Um, and I was surprised to hear, and most of them are Vietnamese, actually all of them are Vietnamese, mm -hmm. um, that the top agencies in their minds are really the network agencies. You know, so the, the Jogas, the Widens, uh, the indie shops, um, these are names that they know and understand. And, and surely they understand that uh, because we aspire to that philosophy, that independency and that culture of being all about the work. Yeah. Uh, but still in their minds, the top shops uh, are the network agencies. Right. Um, so I, I think there is uh, a lot of education to be done in, in uh, emerging market environments like like Vietnam and things Southeast Asia, uh, yeah. I think Asia in general, where you know what is good advertising, what is uh, an ID, and and where does a good ID logically come from? Is that from these big network agencies? Is that right. from the indie agencies? I mean, it can come from everywhere, of course, and and we know that, and history has shown that uh, there's just uh, you know a lot of talent out there, whether it's at network agencies or indie agencies, but. Um, yeah, that was interesting. So I don't know. I think there is uh, a need for, you know, people like, like you, like uh, leaders of firms to, to just continue and uh, share what is the history of advertising. Two days ago, I saw that uh, the Whopper freakout was, uh, uh, was coming back on. I think it was 
on an article on a little black book. Uh, and I was so curious because there are so many stuff that was so many uh, ideas that came from Burger King recently that you kind of forgot about these very good ideas from the past. Yeah. Then you look at that and you feel like, wow, that was actually maybe better than what was happening now. Yeah. It was so pure, um, you know, very, very single-minded. Um, so I, I think, yeah, we, we should, we should not forget about these ideas, the, the work of the past. It's, uh, it's so it's foundational. And it's, yeah. it was so, uh, there was such a, a care to keep it, uh, in the books and in your hard drive, the fact that you had to curate it yourself and you had to get it. And, and, you know, I always like all my books have my name written on the side, you know, on the page, uh -huh. you know, it's yours. <laughs> it's like, don't take my fucking, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah. And now it's just because everything is everywhere and there's so much space and you can just, you know, there's so much content. It's almost like there's no one curating. Like, mm -hmm. what, I mean, there are, of course there are award shows and that's kind of what's important about them is that they curate the rest. Mm -hmm. But, uh, nobody's going in and, and sort of saying, look at this again. So that's yes. something we like to, to try to do at ad house is to, to remind people. Cause I, I found that as, as a creative director, it was a really, uh, being able to know about all those ideas, I could say, well, that's like Whopper freak out yeah. in a bad way. You know, it's like, uh, mm -hmm. so you can almost pick better the, the result you want. So you can, mm -hmm. um, yeah, exactly. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's sad that, that nobody goes back and does it. So it's good that you're, you're getting, you're getting your people to, to dig deeper and think harder. Uh, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. I think so how did you, what, what happened next? Where did you go after, after, uh, Trois? Trois. So after Trois, um, I grew there from a couple of ranks up. And then, well, then I went to happiness. So then um, I, uh, I and felt it was time for me to, sorry? Uh, sorry, that was, your, that was your dream place. That was the place. Uh, in a way, that was the first place I wanted to go to, yes. So, um, and how, how did it happen? I, I woke up in the morning, I saw uh, an article about happiness and uh, my girlfriend, now my wife, uh, uh, saw that I was excited about this article and said, so why don't you send your resume. So I thought, yeah, why shouldn't I? Because I was very loyal. You know, I was very thankful, very grateful that I got hired as an intern and, and you built this kind of relationship and you're like, oh, wow, is, yeah, is it done to also re resign and, and go to a competitive agency simply because I feel more excited about them. Yeah. Um, so I felt, yeah, sure, I should do that. So otherwise I would feel bad about it later. And I did. And um, that's where I, 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 I called Karen for the second time. Uh, and there she was, uh, she was happy to meet me. Uh, and we had a very foundational conversation. There was a very good click. And we talked about some campaigns I had done uh, at Trois. Um, uh, it wasn't a bar, it was, yeah, it was a, a very, it felt almost like we knew each other, like, you know, and uh, yeah. since that moment of time, uh, we started to, to talk a bit more about how uh, we could work together, happiness uh, and I, and uh, I got offered a job. Um, and what's very interesting then is, um, and this is really very happiness. My, my second interview was with her, but also with uh, one of the business partners. Um, and I got asked the question if I had a girlfriend and I said, yeah, I have a girlfriend. And by the way, she's uh, studying uh, Chinese uh, business uh, development. 
Um, and she's actually taking an internship in Hong Kong very soon. She's leaving in two months. And there Karen said, oh, that's interesting. We have an agency in Vietnam. We have Bliss Interactive, a digital production company that we have started three or four years ago. So why don't you go there? Your girlfriend is in Hong Kong for three months and you are in Vietnam for three months and you could travel to each other. We will sponsor yeah. flights. And I was like, wow, this is truly happiness. This is an agency that walks the talk. You know, they really care about their people. So my first step, the literal first step I took to uh, work for happiness was actually to jump on a plane and go to Vietnam. Oh my so uh, that was, yeah, that was very, uh, very before cool. before that, you had had one job. I had one job, yeah. Uh, I, I, what, what was the work you did at, at Twa that, that got you this, this job? Like, what, what, do you, what do you reckon it was about? Well, I worked for Passepartout, which was, um, it's, it's a, a free a newspaper in which you had, uh, how do you call them, these, uh, I don't think it exists today. I think it's all online now, but all these like uh, search ads. It's like the, it was the old version of the Yellow Pages, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or eBay. Um, and we organized uh, a scavenger hunt uh, where every day you could basically look through the newspaper and uh, find a clue. And I think you could win 25,000 euros if you collected all the clues. And day after day, you should collect these. And they have basically uh, regional uh, segmentation. So you had to work with different people to get it. Anyway, it was quite... Uh, it was quite well constructed and the mythology was right. And, and then we also did a stunt. Uh, people had to look for cues also outside of uh, the newspaper. They had to go out there. Um, yeah. And uh, there was a, a treasure somewhere. It was hidden, so people had to look for it. And then we did a viral hit uh, where we actually uh, simulated an explosion of the, the palace of the king. Oh uh, and we tied it back to people are going nuts. They think that the treasure was there. Yeah. So uh, that was quite uh, quite interesting back then because it was not really done in Belgium to go against uh, um, the monarchy uh, and, and do something like that because you, you get a backlash for sure. But uh, it all it all went super well and uh, we, we had very good uh, PR. We had um, good uh, yeah good good reputation scores for the for the brand and uh, that was a campaign basically that I spoke to Karen with a lot of passion and enthusiasm about and uh, yeah. That, that's what clicked us. Yeah. And it sounds like the kind of campaign where you had to work as a team really well. Um, yeah. With your, yeah. with your planners and your media people and your PR people and. And the client. Yeah. And the client. Yeah. yeah, what, yeah exactly. how, was, how was that as a, as a sort of young. It was very, very interesting. I had to organize, of course, and orchestrate everything. I had to work with uh, uh, all the people you just mentioned now, but I, I had to make sure that. You know, there were no mistakes because we had to uh, announce everything in the newspaper and imagine that one clue was communicated wrongly or there was an issue with one of the clues, then right. it would have been on, on my account. That was my responsibility, basically. Yeah. Um, um, so you go off to, uh, to Vietnam to start this new thing. It's a production company. You're coming into a whole new place. Now you you were it seems like you'd you'd set yourself up for something like this by going to Australia. So you weren't you weren't sort of um, new to this, you know, going to a place you'd never been to before and throwing yourself. No, in. you're so right. But yeah, when I left, 
It's very different. When I left Australia, I, I made a promise to myself that I don't find happiness in Belgium. That's the first thing I would do is, is go back to a place like that because I, I felt so happy. I felt so free. I felt so, I felt myself basically. And um, that was very important to me. But then, yeah, I didn't ask for it. It came up and, and the trip to Vietnam was really three months. It was defined as you go there for three months, your girlfriend is there for three months. You learn so much about uh, uh, the internet as you can. Uh, Bliss was uh, a digital production hub that was uh, uh, started purely for, for the happiness clients uh, in, yeah. in Belgium. Uh, but the bridge between Vietnam and Belgium was not there yet. So there was two different languages, not Vietnamese and English, but the internet languages, the lexicon of Java, uh, Flash, HTML, all these things that was really uh, Vietnamese for the people in Belgium, uh, right. sort of speak. So they didn't really understand that. So my task was to uh, create a Bible on how project management for all the different deliverables there are, which is web development, interactive development, banners, CRM. I basically created uh, processes for that. I created templates, briefings uh, with uh, the, the team in Vietnam. And then I took this back and I took it upon myself to uh, be that point of contact for all the accounts in, in Belgium because I had experienced Vietnam, I understand how they work, I understand what they need. Uh, and next to that became also an account manager working for uh, a couple of brands like Toyota, uh, Yellow Pages, um, uh, and so on. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's that's how, how it happened. And, and in Vietnam, of course, I, I fell in love with Asia. I, I had been in Asia and Australia. I, I came back to Belgium via Thailand back then. Um, so I also tasted a bit of, of, of Thailand for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and I, I really loved it. It was so different, such a different energy. Yeah. What's the, what's the ad business like in Vietnam? It's emerging. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you will be surprised to see, I think in a couple of years time, uh, there's a bubble of creativity here that's about to burst. Um, it's a very, um, you know, challenging markets, uh, for a lot of reasons, it potentially is, uh, um, a market that shows signs of where the rest of the world will go because it's super volatile. Uh, it's very competitive. Uh, it's very project-based, very short-term uh, mm. based. Uh, short-termism is, uh, is a bit of a problem, I, I find at times, but I see a lot of good signs where you see corporations really uh, uh, wanting to invest more in, in brand building because they understand that that really truly builds uh, you know, stronger foundations, especially now with uh, what happened in, in Asia and then the Corona crisis. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting market, uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, it's untapped, uh, in a lot of fields and it makes it as well, uh, a great opportunity for, uh, agencies such as, as happiness, who are very keen to, uh, uh, show that creativity means business because it hasn't been really demonstrated before. Yeah. Um, so we take all the possibilities we have to, uh, to showcase that an idea really truly drives uh, results. And we're experimenting now with this. We want to make sure that there is a clear connection between an idea and how uh, much amplification we have and how many overachievements we can have on KPIs to really try to bundle this into the happiness effect almost. And uh, I think in a market like Vietnam, this uh, this is really possible because data is, uh, is available. You have uh, a lot of connectivity. Um, very digital uh, first yeah. markets. So, um, and you know. you, 
You, uh, in your we- on your website, on the happiness website, I, I noticed something that uh, they say uh, uh, people are the media and the brand is the media. Tell me about that, that whole philosophy of, uh, I forget what the actual words are, uh, something like people, people are the media. Yeah, we, we say creative connectivity. That's, that's basically yeah. our proposition. Okay. Um, we believe that... Uh, you know, creativity is, is a very important ingredient to drive stronger connections. Um, and in a world where we are so interconnected, it's, it's very important to, to tap into that uh, resource, that creativity uh, resource to, to get to better connections. Um, we, we had a proposition that was everything is media. Uh, yeah, okay. that's to that's everyone that's is media. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's what you meant. Yeah. Um, everyone is media simply because the biggest Media often make the joke in meeting. I asked um, some prospects or clients, you know, what is the biggest media? Um, and I hear TV, I hear digital, I hear Facebook. Uh, sometimes I hear radio and I'm a bit confused. But, um, and I, I basically say, no, it's, it's the people because if you connect meaningfully with people, they become the greatest advocate for your brand. Yeah. Um, so everyone is media is, is, is basically a great proposition. Yeah. So our purpose is really to find ideas that connect again. Um, that people want to share and talk about, um, yeah. and and that's that's a, a great a great pursuit. That's something that we are relentlessly uh, uh, trying trying to find on on every occasion we have. Yeah. And uh, how long have you been at Happiness Saigon now? We started uh, in 2015. Okay. So that's now five years. Yeah, five years and a couple of months. So that little production company turned into Happiness Saigon. Yeah, correct. Um, this interactive is still there, but yeah. we basically came to Vietnam. Uh, we got invited by clients to, to uh, build the company for them. Um, so that was very, very cool. Um, that uh, led us to look at that digital company we had, look at project managers, uh, and basically decided to convert project managers into account managers because our theory back then was it's actually easier to convert someone that is a native in digital to get them to learn something that is more analog TV, radio, and then that process rather than doing the opposite, taking someone that, you know, understands that analog uh, uh, channel process uh, and make them become digital. And uh, that was quite successful. So uh, we basically turned uh, uh, that, uh, that upside down a bit, but of course we had to hire talent. Uh, We had to hire uh, uh, creative uh, talent. Uh, we had to hire commercial talent, uh, uh, and we started with a small advertising unit of around five people. And we had the production team of around, I think, back then, fifteen or sixteen people. Um, and together with that, we basically shaped uh, Happiness Saigon, and we had a full service offering. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, we basically had that uh, set up. We had wow. already office space and so on. So. Um, yeah, it was it was it was rock and roll. It was very adventurous. Yeah. What uh, what do you say to young people that want to get a job in advertising? What what do you uh, recommend they they do? I I have a beautiful sheet in in my office. Uh, I've I've been educated by you know you you only grow if you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. So don't go for a comfortable position. Don't go for um, you know the agency that's you know, you know, you will be uh, in a in a very cozy place. Go for an agency or a place where you will feel intimidated, where you will feel like, "What the fuck am I doing here? I I, I don't know if I'm 
up to the level of what they expect of me. This is truly the only way for, for you to, to grow. And uh, if, if the ambition of that agency is high, go for that, because that truly means that that will be foundational for your career development. If you go for an agency that doesn't have a high ambition or is happy with uh, the Olympic minimum, um, that will be the standard for the rest of your career. Yeah. So you will perhaps stagnate and you will not grow into uh, that winner or that talent that you will hopefully aspire to become one day. Yeah. And keep, keep pushing for that, you know, uh, yeah. if you don't get that internship the first time, uh, take the other internship and then go back and, and right. ask. Yeah. 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 Um, what, yeah. Uh, what, what's next for, for, uh, happiness Saigon? What are you working on now? What are, what are the, uh, what are the challenges you face, especially now in this COVID time? So we've been, we've been managing quite well. I feel we've been very early on taking, uh, the necessary measures to anticipate, uh, also being very close to our clients, guiding them, consulting them. Uh, building good uh, plans and, and alternative uh, means of, of communicating. Uh, we are now really feeling that there is a change in uh, needs from, from clients. And we, we are basically redesigning our uh, agency proposition. So we are evolving from creative connectivity um, to uh, creative consultancy. Um, where we are really building a creative consult, happiness consult unit, um, which will be there to guide uh, uh, corporations to truly invest in their brands with the tools we have. Uh, look at stakeholder management, culture management, all these things that are really foundational to build a strong corporation. Mm. Uh, and all the other things that, of course, could go uh, within that consultancy realm. And then we continue to build uh, Happiness uh, Connect, which is our, our creative connectivity agency, where there we are uh, very focused on uh, showing that creativity truly drives uh, business. Creativity means business. Now married with Happiness Works, which is something that we are now investing in, is a, a media unit where we do media planning and media buying. And that's what I mentioned earlier. We think it's now, especially in a market like Vietnam, very important for clients to feel that whatever investment they make, it delivers a return. Uh, and because we believe that creativity is going to augment that return, we want to demonstrate the effects of that. So we are working now on uh, a model that uh, will allow for every idea we present, for every media plan that goes with the idea that we present, to make sure that we are able to show what that multiplier effect will be of that specific idea. Hmm. That way you present two or three different ideas, which we don't usually do. But if you do that, then you could actually show how that multiplier effect changes based on the strength of the ID. Because your media plan might remain the same. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you have a more daring ID, a more yeah. connecting ID might multiply that effect of advertising and connectivity with your consumer. Therefore, your reach will be better. Uh, your uh, engagement will be higher and your convergence will, uh, will go further. So um, that's what we are now building. Um, and we're going to announce this uh, uh, in June to the market. And uh, you are, you're, will you be testing things against each other to see how they do in market? IDs, you mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's where A-B testing can come in. And again, depending on the ambition of clients, that's something that we would definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, recommend uh, for, yeah. for certain campaigns. Not the big idea, but I think more executional aspects of an idea uh, where we can truly demonstrate through optimization as well, uh, which of the execution is actually performing the better. Yeah, um, I, I really feel like there's a there's an important uh, shift that, that is happening now, and in a market like Vietnam, it's it's very uh, much driven by by results, uh, which at the end of the day really makes sense. You know, I think yeah. we are uh, in our upbringing in, in the West and in our advertising culture. For us, it makes sense. It's um, it's known that a creative ID drives better results than a campaign without an ID. Yeah, there is so much evidence there, but in a market. Uh, like Vietnam or a market such as Southeast Asia, where there's less evidence of that, yeah. clients are more uh, risk averse and, and they don't, you know, they don't take that path of, of going for creativity. Also, stakeholders have to be managed, who right. not always have that that same culture and that same understanding. So, uh, we take this as our mission, as our role to uh, you know lead the industry by leading the way in ways. We have done that before. We we'll continue to do that, um, and and that's 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 really where the challenge is, and it, it's very exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Um, so how can people get in touch with, with Happiness Saigon and, and maybe if they're interested in, in possibly working there or, or doing something with you or, or, or being your client, what can they do? They, uh, I'm, I'm very easy to reach. They can send me an email, alan at happiness-saigon.com. Okay. Um, they can go to our website. They will also find a way to, uh, to reach us. Um, they can come to the office. We, we had a couple of spontaneous solicitation. We just had a, a very um, relentless American young man who came a couple of times to the office who sent a lot of uh, emails to us where we're like, yeah, a bit like Karen back then. Sorry, yeah. we don't have space. We have interns already. He was yeah. not giving up. He came to the office uh, and he basically uh, seduced our, our creative director. Um, <laughs> And yeah, he's now working with us and, and he's doing well. So uh, there you go. You can also just pop by the office, grab yeah. a coffee and uh, yeah. but be spontaneous about it. Maybe right first, you know. Maybe right first. Yeah, wanna, I also prefer it. But uh, exactly. hundreds of American, but if, American young men running in. <laughs> um, we did that. We did that. We did that right. <laughs> yeah, be gentle. Be gentle. Um, so uh, yeah, that's cool. And it was it was really great to meet you. Uh, what what have I not asked you that I should ask you? What what am I what am I? I'm terrible at this. You know, I, I didn't prepare that much, Tom. I was I was really going uh, going for the uh, you know let's improvise, and and I think it went super well. Let me let me think. Is there a question you should have asked? Um, can I come and visit you in Vietnam soon? Yeah, can I, can I come to visit you? It's a great question. I would love to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Have I'm you been here? I'm definitely coming to Vietnam. I've never been to Asia. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, like many Americans, I've never been to Asia. And I would love to go to Vietnam. I think it's a, a beautiful place. What's your, what's your, from, you know, not having been here, what's, what's your view on the advertising market here? How do you imagine it to be? Oh, I don't even, I don't imagine it. I, I, uh, I've done some, some work for, um, Budweiser for the Chinese market. Uh, so I've got a little inkling of what advertising is like in Asia, which is, it always felt like, like 
when I was, and this is, you know, I, I don't know anything, but I, I was just given a brief and they said, you know, here's the Chinese Budweiser brief. And it's very different. It's, it's very much about uh, luxury and uh, high end. And I'm like, this is Budweiser. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, they're like there. It's, it's like you bring a big bottle of Budweiser with you to your family's dinner. And that is like, correct. You are yeah. seen as, so it was, uh, it's fascinating to me that, it's almost like brands are in a different um, stage in their development in different countries, mm -hmm. very much so in Asia and very much so in China, at least. So that's my, uh, <laughs> my Chinese focused American view on what it's like in Asia. So it's like uh, it's twisted and, and weird, but uh, I imagine it's very cool right now. I imagine uh, the Vietnamese advertising market is, is very sort of open and, you can kind of do a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Uh, there's room. There's room for sure. And you're yeah. there. And uh, are there other, what are the other agencies? What's your, who, who are your, who are your competitors out there that uh, if somebody's going to move to Saigon, who, what are their, what are their agencies that they, they'll be looking at some young, young person that wants to. You'll have the usual, the usual network agencies that have been quite dominant here for years. Yeah. Um, you know, agencies like uh, Ogilvy, uh, Leo Burnett, these are, are, are big names here. Yeah. Um, they have been here since the market opened uh, in, in the 90s. So they, they have built, keep built uh, a strong foundation here. A um, right. couple of upcoming local agencies, uh, I would say, on, on the same base as, as Happiness that started uh, maybe a bit, a bit earlier than us. Uh, that uh, are indeed uh, uh, out there. Um, but I would say mainly if you ask people, you know, what are the top agencies in the market, they, they would talk about uh, some network agencies. Uh, I think happiness would be uh, mentioned too. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, it was nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too, Tom. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I, I really enjoyed that. And uh the door is always open. So let me know when you want to come and, uh, and say hi. Mm -hmm. I, I will. And uh, it's, it's somewhere I would love to see. And I would love to see your agency too. That would be great. Maybe we'll open an ad house Saigon someday. Absolutely. Very interested in that. Yeah, we should talk separately about that. Yeah, that I think there's a huge opportunity for this here. Very much. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Alan. Cheers. Have a um, nice day there. Good night. Have a great night. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Cheers, Tom. Don't you just want to pick up and move to Saigon right now? Alan Saruti. So inspiring. That episode had it all. Who needs to travel? I can just sit here in my apartment and talk to inspiring people like that? My goodness, I am a lucky man. The A-List podcast is brought to you by Ad House Advertising School. Whether you're in Vietnam or Hong Kong or Christchurch or Heist. You can take a Zoom class with an A-list creative teacher at adhousenyc.com. You get 10 live Zoom classes for just 600 bucks. That is 14 million Vietnamese dong. I'll have you know. You can find me, hire me, book me, talk to me at tomchrisman.net. That's T-O-M-C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-N-N.net. Special thanks to Ad House Codeine, Paul Fix, for helping to produce the show. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash A-List Podcast. 
You can also find the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Uh, and thanks to Demasima Goldstein for letting us take this show on the road. See you next time.